Welcome back to Lobby Concessionals, the movie podcast where nobody's right and everybody's wrong. That's Brendan. I'm Parker. Uh, I think, I don't know if I can keep changing this up. I think, I, I, I starting to feel like it sounds a little too rote, a little too the same every time, but... What are we talking about, the intro? Yeah, my intro. Ah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Fair no, enough. Nobody's watching. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> uh, like and subscribe. Share us with your friends. Uh, tell your dentist about us. You know, um, let him let him play us while he's. I was supposed to say while he's drilling you, but that's that's a whole different thing. That's a that's a different no, thing. But like, call someone. Put us in the office. Yeah, 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 for yeah, us yeah. On. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, get, get us involved marketing wise. Actually, no, I'll do it for free. I don't even care. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. He doesn't uh, have to pay me anything. He doesn't even have to drill me. No, no, but put some use of that laughing gas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, make make the laughing gas session terrifying. Um, uh, now that you've got me, uh, this isn't even your fault. This is my fault. Coworker says to me the other day that he he listens to this podcast to put him and his girlfriend to sleep. <laughs> I assume it was a joke. <laughs> No, but Evan, if it wasn't, that's a problem, man. You, we, we need to have a conversation. But now he subliminally loves Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay. Actually, though, back on track. Uh. Now that I have completely diverted us from talking about anything worthwhile, um, I was recently reading about uh famed junkie XL collaborator. Hans Zimmer. <laughs> what an intro. Holy. <laughs> and um, uh, first of all, he's, a, he's an interesting dude. Um, but he defines his job as a um, composer and as a, like in particular, a composer for film stores. Yeah. As, like he always asks the question, uh, I assume this would be with a German accent, which I'm not going to attempt because I am bad with accents. Um, but he asks, why are we having music here? <laughs> and, and as much as as much as that's not how sentences work <laughs> or questions, um, uh, it's a good point. Uh, and, and so he looks at it as like, I, my music needs to have a purpose in the store it needs to have a purpose for the film it needs to provide something um uh and so that kind of actually is more or less the thesis of what i wanted to talk about today um about film stores and like their uses and purposes they have and because they're not just there to be pretty because in most cases they are actually pretty but there is actually like a whole bunch of um specific reasons and like plot reasons narrative reasons emotional reasons that that film scores exist and i think that would probably be actually let me just pose this to you what would you think the i don't actually have an answer to this question so no nothing is wrong but what would you think is the um uh main use of of music and film god <laughs> that's know? an actual thesis question probably yeah. i just mean like not one you just spring on a dude on a podcast <laughs> Uh, like what I'm effectively doing is setting you up as the expert. If I ask you these questions, it makes you look really good. The problem is, is I don't give you any warning. No, um, that's real tough. Uh, like, I, cause I don't know if that you, like you said, there's no real answer and I don't, there I don't know that there is, but when I think of a score, I think of specific scores that make me feel a certain way or get me to do a certain thing. Uh, specifically in movies, so I wonder, you know, is it is it to get you to an, an emotional space for a certain part of a movie? Is it to to where maybe words don't do it justice? Is is it sure. is it is it the visual m- married with that 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 score that is supposed to take you through the journey instead? Because I think that's what I want to answer. Yeah, and so <clears throat> the, I think that would be my gut uh, as well. Is that the the primary purpose of a store is is emotional resonance and basically yeah. to um maybe not like instruct the audience but to show like to to, to hit the emotional heartbeat of the film um and, and set some tone um but I, as i was doing research for this i found that there was like a whole bunch of different things that i, I kind of didn't really think about but i have seen happen in movies sure. um so 
Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see here. Um, oh, one of the things that they talk about here is um, uh, implying a sense of space. So, um, if they walk, if the main characters of a film, you know, it's sort of like a when Harry met Sally thing. If they walk into their crappy apartment, yeah, um, it's not going to be a sweeping orchestral store there, sure. you know. And it's, um, but when you walk into a, you know, I don't know when uh, the Avengers walk onto a battlefield. It is a sweeping orchestral score, yeah, yeah. store because it does imply that space, and it like the the sound manages to fill the space and give you an a, an impression about it, yeah, in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise. That's fair. Um, uh, the other one that I've seen actually lots in cartoons is um, contrasting sizes. I've actually got eighteen things here, so I'll probably go through <laughs> them in some form or another. But um, but yeah, contrasting sizes, and so I see that in cartoons where you know you got the little. Uh, you got a, I don't know, like a, let's say Tom and Jerry, you know. Sure. Uh, wait, which one's the cat? Tom. Tom's the cat, right? <laughs> Tom cat. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so you got Jerry, the mouse, walking <laughs> along. And it's like, it'll be like flute music. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, and like. And then you get Tom, the cat, uh, walking along. And because he's much bigger, it'll be like, doo, 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 you know, never watched a Tom and Jerry cartoon, have you? Oh, clearly not. <laughs> that's no. a, that song's reserved for the bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> my point is, is it like, yeah. clearly my example wasn't perfect. <laughs> and it would probably be better if I came prepared. <laughs> but my point is, is that um, I have seen that done before, but it never occurred to me either. Like, Outside of obviously literally watching that and going, yeah, that's what they're doing, um, it, it would never really click that, oh, yeah, this is one of the uses of, of music yeah. and film. Um, anyway, I guess basically what I want to talk about today, beyond all that, and like we'll go into some of the specifics, sure. but I uh, wanted to look at some of the movies that the store has had an impact on me, uh, and I assume some of the movies that have had, imp- had an impact on you. This is going to be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but just um, hopefully the differences between them. So beyond just saying, oh, I really like this one, you know, I'd be like, oh, man, I like this music because of the way the music is. Yeah. We could say that about a lot of different movies, but I, I think I want to take a look at it and go, okay, well, this is what I, I really appreciate about whatever. And this is the thing that it, it does really, really yeah. well. Now it's a 20-minute podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm not nearly prepared enough. No, let's do it. I love Cut. it. I I'm going to go do some more research. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, and maybe this is very clear given that the camera is on me and given my background, um, but is Inception. <laughs> <laughs> You've been setting this up for 10 weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I played the long game. Um, so what I find really interesting about Inception is I think it is unique. And again, as soon as someone that actually knows what they're talking about watches this podcast, they will point out a million times before that this has been done and Inception just copied. Sure, sure. Um, but I think Inception is unique in that the, the store serves a narrative purpose um, and, a, and a very consistent narrative purpose. Um, and basically, what everyone remembers about Inception is that blong from the, yeah, um, yeah, the trailer. From the trailer. Yeah. Well, and from and constantly from, uh, yeah, yeah. in the yeah. movie. Um, and if the other thing, if there is one other thing that people remember from the store, it is um, Edith Piaf's song. Oh boy, I have it, and I'm going to say it, and it's going to be said wrong. Yeah. Um, it's non genu regret rien. I mean, so I'm going to go. That's with. not bad. Yeah, right. That's pretty good. Um, and so it's Edith Piaf's song, and that's what they use uh, in the, for the kick music to to show that they are about to be kicked out of the dream. Sure. Um, but the the brilliance of it is is that as they go down in the dream layers time slows right so they experience time faster than they do on the real life level so you know whatever it is one second in real life is yeah. like 10 hours on the third level or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. um so what they do then is um narratively they then take that 
and they just slow down EDFPF's song. Yeah. So all of those wongs are slowed down. Um, that's the orchestration from her song. Um, so even though it is the characters aren't aware of the wongs that we as the audience are hearing, it is a it it adds to the film, um, and it is a narrative aspect of yeah. it because that would effectively be the things they're hearing as well or or something similar to that um and when i first found this out it blew me away i was floored yeah um and so suddenly a movie could take that score and use it in the plot yeah i like how pervasive it is too because you don't really like you know it's happening but you're not cognizantly aware that it's happening yeah and you start picking up cue like you start picking up narrative cues just from the music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I and I, I don't know if he does it or not, uh, Nolan. That is, but I don't know if he uses it as a, as a diversion or if he uses it as a red herring, even mm. at any point in the film, because it's been a while now. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me that he would set that up for an entire film uh, of making that the the kickout music, mm. and then to like subvert you in near the end to change it up so you're thinking something else like almost like a yeah. weird uh like a trance or like a like a hypnosis thing like another oh one. yeah like yeah, an yeah, inception yeah. thing itself yeah so yeah like the pavlov's dog yeah yeah, yeah 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 um well and that's actually a great point is that's one of the things that i had looked up uh that film music does mm-hmm. uh, is manipulate the audience so yeah. that uh a skilled composer depending on the point of the film can use a particular track to basically distract the audience from something that's going on. So in particular, um, the um, uh, the example that I have for that is like surprise villains. Um, <laughs> or maybe not a surprise. Uh, but So I think of Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Um, we have Palpatine in there. And the audience, I think, like we are aware that he's the Emperor, right? Yeah, they don't or really. should be. They don't really try to hide it. Yeah, right? Like it's just a hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, they used the Emperor's theme yeah. at the end of, or near to the end of Phantom Menace, when um, certain political things have occurred that puts Palpatine a little one step closer to power. Yeah. Um, but it's a lighter and fluffier version. Of yeah, it. it's in a major key. Um, yeah, the, it's this uh, the Naboo celebration at the end is like a slowed down major major key version of the Emperor's theme. So most people wouldn't even notice that yeah. it's the same theme, and it sounds heroic. Like, it yeah. sounds exciting, as opposed to sounding dark and brooding. Yeah. Um, so again, it's diverting from the fact that, oh, you know, like, yeah. it's clearly signaling <laughs> this guy's a bad guy, yeah. but because it's been switched up, the audience doesn't necessarily think that. No, it's um, hidden just like he is. Yeah, right yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the o- other films have used that, you know, like, uh, a billion and one movies... The, the twist is that a guy who thought was a good guy turns out to be a bad guy, you know? Um, and so in some cases, uh, a composer will hide that by using uh, the the main theme or heroic yeah. theme for that person when they do something even vaguely heroic yeah. so that the audience starts to, you know, start thinking. They start to get tricked into being like, oh, well, it's, I don't know. No, literally can't think of anyone right now. Um uh, but it's a good guy, woo! Yeah. And then he, he finally. I think uh, I think they use it in Usual Suspects in the end scene with, mm. uh, with the Kevin Spacey walking. Spoiler for a forty-year-old movie. <laughs> wow, thirty-year-old re- movie. Let's relax. Nineties, <laughs> ninety-five. I think it is. Okay, ninety-five, so ninety-six. Calm down. You can't. Forty years <laughs> is a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying it's ten years different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they 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 change it up when he starts to reveal himself at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they they go back to a score that they've used the whole movie. Ah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Um, I don't want to capitalize this whole thing, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to hop <laughs> in here. Otherwise, I'm going to keep talking. Yeah, give it, give it to me. What do you want? <laughs> 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 that was sort of it. I was just giving it the open-ended. But um, is there a uh, a movie that's really sticks out for you as having a um, uh, an impact film score-wise uh, that has done something specific with? It is uh, really hard to not want to sit here and just talk about John Williams for like oh, two hours. Can we talk about John Williams though? <laughs> we, I, I think we'd be we'd lose all credibility if we didn't. Well, like, there's other good people. There is, but it would be, like, and I like, I walked into this thing when you told me we were doing things about score. I'm like, 
man, maybe we should just not talk about John Williams to avoid it and just give a little bit of light on everybody else because you're going to listen to a million podcasts about John Williams and a million documentaries about John Williams. Yeah, and this will be the dumbest album. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, maybe we just don't. And, and then you realize that was stupid? I don't know how stupid that is. <laughs> uh, so obviously, you know, we, we, as most people know, we're pretty big Star Wars guys. Um, and I'm a big Indiana Jones guy. I like Jones. I like Superman. But the one that always gets me, and it's the one that I, because it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty impactful theater experience, is Jurassic Park. Mm. Uh, that, one, that one always gets me, you know, when the, the first shot where the helicopter drives, uh, flies right into, drives, yeah. an idiot, <laughs> flies, flies into the island and the, 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 the queue picks up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gives me goosebumps every time. Every time when I hear that Jurassic Park theme. Is uh, it because uh, helicopters shouldn't be driving? <laughs> yeah, like it takes Goose me right out of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like the helicopters just driving on the ocean, driving it along, <laughs> and it just takes the realism right out of that oh, di- yeah. dinosaur movie. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have had a problem, but for that moment, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the you know when people talk about John Williams, I, it's not like Jurassic Park is like an underrated thing, but you always go to the Star Wars and the, sure. the whatevers. But man, that that Jurassic Park theme. Uh, every single time, and it all it, because it happens so early in the movie, it kind of gets you up for what's to come. It's like a weird mm. uplifting thing, and your heart gets going a little bit, and uh, your kind your your breath kind of gets taken away because of that shot. Sure. Uh, so it does a lot of those things again. Like you, like it sets a tone. Yeah. For what's to come, and it never slows down. Right. Like basically, they get to the island, and other than the twenty minutes where they eat and go through the lab. It's breakneck speed after oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So I think that that theme really does a, a good job of, of letting you know what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it really sets the, the tone and the atmosphere of the film. Yeah. Um, and it's an incredible theme. Oh, uh, so good. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing with John Williams is he has consistently cranked out um, iconic scores. Now, granted, the guy's had a what? Sixty-year uh, career, just about now. Um, and so, you know, sure. Obviously, I think if anyone does something for sixty years, you're going to have some hits. Um, but it's not that. Like, it's not like it's been a couple hits. No. That guy gets involved, and suddenly it's something iconic. Yeah. You know, he is. I forget the stuff that he does because he's so prolific. Yeah. Like I forget about Schindler's List, which is an amazing score. Mm. I forget that he did the Harry Potter theme. Uh, uh, yeah, I fully did not know that. Yeah, like the I think it's the first movie. I, I think that's him. Yeah, and that that does make sense because I think like, I actually think I've always um, uh, credited Desplat, Alexander Desplat. Yeah, with but he's Harry just Potter. the Deathly Hollow stuff, right? Is it just Deathly Hollow? Like, I, I thought yeah. he was like the last half of the series. But yeah. either way, um, all he's doing is riffing on. Yeah, no, sorry, not all. The whole, I don't want to take that away from him. Of course. Um, uh, but like he does, he builds off of that theme. Sure. Which is, yeah, John Williams. Yeah, I think John Williams did the Home Alone theme. What? Yeah, you know, it's like if you forget, and those are some of my favorite movies ever. Wow. And it's just you, the shadow of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws, yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Park is incredible. Well, and so so we have to talk about a little bit about Star Wars. Um, yeah. and one of the things that I thought was interesting with Star Wars is, um, and I think it's just because of how incredible that that opening theme is like the opening crawl or whatever the actual title of the song is. But um, uh, I always associated it explicitly linked with the um, uh, 20th century Fox fanfare. Um, Like, and and that's because in new hope, those things are there. And I don't think it's anything past new hope, right? It's um, because I don't think Fox was involved in empire or they do. They are, yep. so it's the yep. fanfare still for all three of the, those films. The fanfare uh, is basically through the prequels too. What? Yeah. No, it's not. Get out of here. Yeah. Are you positive? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is <laughs> so um, learning things. Today. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Man, I was so sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, but so I always linked those things. So I remember as a kid being shocked 
when I saw that and being like, well, we're not watching Star Wars. What the hell is this doing here? You know? Um, it was the same with the, the, the THX thing, right? Uh, for a long time, I always associated the THX thing with Star Wars because, of, number one, it's, it's a Lucas thing. Uh, oh sure, yeah. But that uh, that sound thing. Nah. Here, <laughs> I always thought I always associated with Star Wars. Still do sometimes. Um, I don't find that as much yeah. personally. Um, but I uh, and and I think that at least partially it's because the the 20th uh, Century Fox fanfare and the Star Wars opening theme are both iconic. And and it's weird to almost compare them in that way yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone knows that 20th Century Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fanfare. Um. And yeah, like I said, they, they were always linked, but they're both so epic, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Especially because they they have the pause, right? Because it's the fanfare, and then the Lucasfilm logo, and then it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So it gives you like fifteen seconds of nothing after the big fanfare in between, and then the explosion of the logo. I don't know if it's fifteen seconds it's, in the very not... first one, though, because Lucasfilm didn't exist. No. So like, I, I, it's just it's just the, a long time ago. Long time ago. So, yeah, so it launches right in fairly yeah. quickly right then. Um, and maybe that's the difference, actually, is that it's New Hope that they they seem quite close together yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of timing. Um, uh, but yeah, it, that has just always stuck in my brain. And yeah. so there's always an element of I see, I hear that fanfare and I'm like, oh, oh boy, Star Wars. <laughs> and then it's never Star Wars. <laughs> it's never Star Wars. It's Damn just it. Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, John Williams is incredible. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about him while we're here? I just want to, if we're just going to talk about him and Star Wars for a second, uh, arguably the best part of the prequel series is John Williams. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much a slam dunk. That would be a slam dunk opinion. Yeah. Uh, between Duel of the Fates and Episode 1. Yep. Uh, and uh, it, Across the Stars in Episode 2 is the best thing about that movie. I, I've chosen to generally <laughs> wipe out Episode 2 from my brain, so I literally don't know what that means yeah. or what that is, but I'm sure if I heard it, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's the love theme. It's the Anakin Padme oh, love theme. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. It's, it's the best part of that movie easily. Yeah. And I yeah. know you're a big Mace guy, but it's still the best part of that movie. Mace is dope. So, <laughs> so yeah. be very clear. Um, and then the, the Anakin Obi-Wan duel yeah. has, it's like a bit of duel of the fates and like a, like a remux version of it. Yeah. Which yeah, is great yeah. Still, so yeah. Yeah. Re- really, really, really well done. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. looking at a couple other, um, uh, Ooh, while we're talking about star Wars, I remember this now. I, I had a thing, I had you a plan, had, had, had a plan. whole thing. Yeah. Um, Another use for music that I find is uh, very, I don't want to say gratuitous, but gratuitous in oh. Star Wars, is I find a lot of Star Wars has, um, frankly, terrible cuts. And I know that's become a part of Star Wars now, uh, but it's all the wipes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's basically just wipes, actually. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of wipes. Um, <laughs> uh, but they are jarring. Um, the, the transitions aren't... Ugh. I don't want to have people yelling at me, but they're not well done in Star Wars. The, uh, and it became a part of the brand, but I don't think it was like designed that way from the beginning. It was just, well, I guess we'll transition here. Yeah. Um, and the store really helps to make those less jarring because in every case, there's a little bit of a... It's like when you turn a page on the, like one of those book things, uh, like a, one of those electronic readers, and it tells you and it has a chime for you to turn the page. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you notice it, especially in like a New Hope, I think like when he does one of those transition wipes, it's like Williams like we'll just sprinkle something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's, let's give him a little something so they know we're moving along. And it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. And it, it it soothes you because like the wipe again is jarring. It's like oh god, now we're we're going somewhere yeah. else. And because there's no rhyme or reason, and maybe there isn't, and maybe that's a film study thing. But sometimes it's a left to right. Sometimes it's a, a top to bottom, and there's Correct. just nothing. There's no. It doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, there yeah. is a. Um, I remember hearing that there's a difference in the from the very opening scene immediately following the crawl. I think the first movie it wipes down, I think, and then uh, the second one it does the opposite. It's the only one that goes the opposite is Attack of the Clones. Everything else goes from the camera pans from bottom to up, and in Attack of the Clones it goes from bottom down. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I'm pretty sure it's the second movie of every trilogy. 
Uh, because maybe? I seem to remember it being a big thing because Last Jedi had the same thing where they uh, did a... Possibly? The I, did, the I, same. I know it was a trivia question at Alan's one time. Ah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but it's not like he's been known to, to be perfect. Yeah, you know, he's basically perfect. Um, shout out to Tailspin Trivia if you're in Calgary. Um, yeah, but helping with those harsh cuts is a big deal, yeah, especially yeah. in Star Wars because, again, those wipes are not easy. Um. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just want to talk about Star Wars? Um, not quite. Not quite. I I was gonna get back to these the various different functions. Yeah. But yeah. I realized I didn't know how to do that transition. So just like Star Wars, I'm gonna have a harsh transition here and just immediately. I'll pivot. see if I can find like a chime. Yeah. <laughs> just to sprinkle over you. And your if we can, transition. just imagine there's like a couple couple hits on a xylophone as I I totally screwed this up. Um, Another interesting thing, and I think that we'd be, I'd be amiss if we didn't talk a little bit about um, Baby Driver. Oh, yeah. Um, But that's one of the things they do extremely well in Baby Driver is illustrating movement, and they use the score to do that. Now, I do want to note the fact that there is a difference between soundtrack and score. Um, So score is typically, uh, usually I think it's without lyrics, um, and it is a... um, a piece, I think the technical definition is it is composed for that film yes. and it is supposed to be used as background while a soundtrack is usually music that has been taken from something else and was yeah. created somewhere else um, and and it has been used also in this film. Um, so typically what it really comes down to is a lot of teen movies you know, your, your Twilights your uh, Divergent series, your Hunger Games, all of those have soundtracks that feature various pop music and yeah, other yeah, things yeah, yeah. that may have been inspired by that film. Um, hell, like the first Spider-Man movie, or actually the first the sort of Spider-Man trilogy, the oh, Sam Raimi trilogy, this back. had had great uh, <laughs> uh, great film soundtracks. Um, but so, yeah, like I said, team movies yeah. uh, will put out film soundtracks, but in a film store. Uh, is typically for for cinema, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but so the the illustrating movement thing is is done extremely well in Baby Driver. Um, so there is, it's a little bit different than normal because I think in in most cases when we talk about this, the score is designed to match what was already filmed. Yeah, but in Baby Driver's case, they choreographed everything to match the music. Yeah, um, but. I think of that, there's the, it's basically the opening scene, um, but Baby is going to go get coffee. Um, and it's him walking down the street, and the lyrics to the song he's listening to are in graffiti and yeah. all over as he's going along. Um, but he's dancing, and not really dancing, he's just sort of like... Strutting. Strutting down the street, <laughs> and it matches the music yeah. perfectly. Um, and, and frankly, I don't know if we're going to get another movie that will ever do it that well. Uh... That's tough. I think Wright does that stuff so good, uh, so well, uh, but it, it is just an evolution of, of what Tarantino does, right? Because Tarantino also, for the most part, doesn't use score. He's started using yeah. score more recently in his longer movies uh, and whatnot, but his earlier movies, they were just soundtracks uh, and written to those songs. Yeah. You know, when I think of Reservoir Dogs, when I think of, of the, even the, the Madonna uh conversation they have in the diner and yeah and then obviously the ear cutting scene and all that stuff pulp fiction is obviously very very structured to those songs yeah uh, so i think what Wright does is like an evolution of that and he he made it graphically different but i i don't know that i i think i feel like at some point somebody's gonna get there yeah maybe um like i i think for right now edgar wright has perfected that um, like again, as far as I'm concerned, no one has done it better than he did in Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe it's, it will never be done this well again is probably the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but this is the peak for right now. Yeah. Um, like I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised like now that he's doing directing stuff, uh, that if, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, it gets there. Oh, that's a good point. You know, in terms of visual, in terms of marrying, marrying it with the music and all that stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if he got there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting point. Interesting point. Um, yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. So 
Another store I wanted the store I wanted to talk about was Lord of the Rings. Howard Shore's oh, work yeah. on Lord of the Rings. Give um, it to me. And so the store is amazing. But as far as I'm concerned, the Magnum Opus Magnum Opus of that store is considering Hobbits. The um Hobbiton theme, the Hobbit theme. Yeah, like yeah. it's used multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that fluttering one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and there's some again, incredible stuff in there. Um, but considering Hobbits manages to convey a mood that is, uh, unique. Um, that's, I think where some of that, um, cottage core, uh, you know, like, um, I don't know, small town living kind of vibe comes from, and they, it's conveyed perfectly with that theme. Um, and it's supposed to be, you know, a period of peace. It's supposed to give off that vibe. And then you don't hear it much as the trilogy goes on. Yeah. Um, except when you check in with, uh, Sam and Frodo and every once in a while you get hints of the theme hints through of there. Uh, and then I'm just crying, <laughs> you know, uh, um, Lord of the Rings is the man. I have a, so the one I think of when I think of Lord of the Rings is when they finally, when they set out and when they, 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 they leave Rivendell. And then the the core group of them, the fellowship, go, and it's like just the spot where they they they, they peek over a mountain, and that score hits. So the yeah 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 so it's yeah, like yeah. the wide shot yeah with that score and uh, Jurassic Park goosebumps. Oh, oh yeah. So when I, I think I of actually it, have yeah, goosebumps like right now, right now, uh, it's that. That's the thing I think of every time when I think of Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings is them walking just above that mountain and that score just hitting you right in the face. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you you know, um, like obviously I'm a big considering Hobbits fan. Um, <laughs> uh, but and I, I think I think Lord of the Rings strikes me, or considering Hobbits strikes me as unique because. It is. It stands out in a sure. in a uh, midst all the epic stories. Yeah, absolutely. But actually, that theme is amazing. <laughs> um, and again, yeah. the fact that I literally covered <laughs> in goosebumps right now off of me t- terribly doing it is just shows how impactful that is. Yeah, and it was just a, it's such a weird character thing too, right? Because like they come over the mountain and they they spend like two seconds on each guy as he walks by the camera. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super in. Whoa. We're two hours into this movie and just give me five more. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's also, I find, some fairly unsettling portions of um, of the Lord of the Rings theme or uh, score. Oh. Um, not, like, maybe not unsettling, but just, I'm trying to think of a better word than screechy. Um, but there's some stuff with the, um, with like basically anything in Mordor, but just with orcs and stuff where it's like, uh, I don't know, like screechy, I think is literally the best way I can put it. Oh, that's weird. Um, when I think of the Mordor stuff or the Isengard stuff, I think heavy drums. There's definitely some drums, but there's also the, um, oh God, I'm going to totally screw this up. Uh, Allison always makes fun of me for this. So... <laughs> Nope. No, I literally can't think of it. I'm, I'm on the spot. Now I can't think of how it goes. Um, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely think of uh, the, the... Oh, hip- I got it. I got oh, it. my God. The... <laughs> me, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that stuff is haunting. <laughs> haunting. No, <laughs> yeah. Shut her down. Oh, man. That's yeah. it. Oh, boy. We're we have to... a, sorry, Jason. We got a new theme song. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so some of that stuff is it, not only iconic, but again, like off-putting. Uh, Which is perp- obviously purposeful. Sure, you know, sure, when I sure. Think of, when I think of noises like that, it's, it reminds me of Bernard Herrmann's stuff in Psycho. Oh, totally. You know, it's just, it's supposed to be off-putting. It's supposed to be uh, unnerving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it puts you on edge. And, and like, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable sound, right? Like, I think about that. Uh, if Like, I've never had the pleasure of watching Psycho in the theaters. Uh, sure. At least not the Hitchcock version. I watched the Gus Van Sant version in theaters, and that's... How did it go? Uh, 
<laughs> I wish I was the murder victim. Ah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I could imagine that specific sound and noise in the theater just crawling under your skin and just oh, yeah. right up your neck. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, yeah, that, that weird high-pitched stuff, I totally get it. There's a... Um, that, that's one of the uh, functions of film music is... Uh, the research I did describes it as psychological conditioning. Makes sense. Um, so, uh, because louder and more frightening uh, yeah. music tends to elicit uh, a, a fear response. So you get sweaty palms and stuff. And, yeah. And I've noticed that multiple times when I'm holding a bag of popcorn and it starts slipping. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> oh, I'm terrified, dude. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's also the partially the butter. But like, no. you know... <laughs> Fucking butter palms. <laughs> um, I but I find uh, in particular bad horror movies really rely on this. Um, there is actually a, a Silent Hill movie that came out with it had Kit Harrington in it. I think it was in 2012 oh or God. maybe 2015. Kit in one of those things. Yeah, yeah, it was it was not good. Um, uh, but I worked at the theater at the time, and I remember one of my coworkers coworkers described it as um, as the loudest movie he's ever been in. I don't know, what, like, what does that mean? Like, that's weird. Um, but he's totally right. It is, be, in order to make up for the lack of scares, in particular in the first half of the film, they just put loud sounds. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, like, it. I, I remember there's a cut um, fairly early on. You're looking at the heroine, uh, and then you, um, it cuts to, like, this uh, homeless guy who looks, <laughs> I think he's dead or something. But it's it's just... You know, as much as a dead homeless guy isn't normal, but it's a fairly normal shot. Like, there's nothing s- scary particularly about it. Um, it's just a body. Um, but then there's this, like, loud, piercing <laughs> clash. Um, and so everyone in the theater goes, Whoa. And it's not because anything actually scary happened. It's just because it was very loud. It went from very quiet to very loud. And you had no right to expect it. It's cheap stuff. Um, but... Those things can be used properly and in a responsible yeah. manner that is actually frightening. Uh, one, I think it's hilarious that you lied that other people in the theater. Uh, two, I think it's hilarious that you made an entire movie up in your brain because nobody's seen that movie. <laughs> I did it, it actually happened. Don't gaslight me, Brendan. Uh, I mean, that's probably good. A little bit. We should probably talk about Tenet then, hey? We can. I mean, we, we if we want to go from uh, peak Zimmer and Inception and, and telling a story to using Zimmer to maybe drown the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if you're just talking about loud noises like that. I, and I think uh, you know, I always, I always excuse ten, like I always make the excuse. I'm like, well, it's, it's purposeful. Yep, it's supposed to be disorienting. The whole sure. movie's supposed to be disorienting. But it comes to a point where you're you're going to over confuse your audience. Correct, correct. And and Nolan leaned into that a little bit. Um, and I, I think unfortunately the store really suffers because Nolan decided that he didn't want the characters to be easily understandable. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other conversation about sound mixing and and how um, uh, certain modern directors seem to be leaning into that side of it, mm-hmm. which infuriates me. But my um my point is is that I. I think that because the characters are very hard to understand and they do not adjust the levels of the store, the store suffers as a result. It yeah. doesn't even matter how good that score is. If they are actively drowning out yeah. dialogue it's in an already noise. disorienting and, and hard to understand film, yeah. um, like it is going to come across as annoying regardless yeah. of whether the store is actually good. Yeah. Um, and which is unfortunate that you know Zimmer is being used in that way. Um, yeah. And it, and it's 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 tough too because I, you're right it doesn't matter how good the score is because I don't remember the score and I'm an apologist yeah you know it's just noise to me totally yeah um that's a great point uh I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Pan's Labyrinth as well uh, because oh, yeah let's talk about some Del Toro I, I Del Toro for you am a huge <laughs> Del Toro fan um and uh, I find myself regularly humming the um, the uh, fairy tale theme, the, the, oh, the Pan's Labyrinth theme. Creepy. Um, yeah. The, well, <laughs> so it just nestled its way right into my brain. Yeah. Um, and 
that story is ultimately a fairy tale, albeit sure. a brutal fairy tale, yeah. and I guess maybe a classic fairy tale. Yeah, in a traditional um, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... But they do a very good job with that music, denoting fairy tale things, even when things are terrifying. Um, so the very first fairy tale aspect you get in the modern world, because the, the opening is her leaving hell, yeah. right? Um, uh, the very first fairy tale thing you see in the modern world is a fairy that is like a big bug. Um, crawling out of a yeah. um, of a tree, um, but they use the the lullaby theme uh, for it, and so it's they're contrasting this light and um, I don't know uh, innocent theme with something kind of gross and horrendous, yeah. and uh, and those contrasts are frequently used in in Del Toro's work. Um, and I think it is, it, it's gorgeous. And it's what makes him unique. And it's what makes uh, that film, um, that's what sells the film, ultimately, at the end of the day. It's, it, it's, it's some of the emotional core is the, um, is the darkness and beauty, and, or the beauty and darkness. And, um, and the, uh, in some ways, even the beauty in, in terror. Yeah, because he, he uses such soft noises, right? Like, yeah. they're still quite sweeping and epic, but they are not what the movie is. I think the again, I think the the exception to the rule would be Pacific Rim, which sure is one of my favorite scores ever. Uh, I still I still use that song to like when we when we go if I go do sports anywhere. That's the song I use. Oh yeah, is that beginning song when? when do 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 do. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, when yeah. they when they at the beginning of the movie when the two brothers get going and they drop in the gypsy and they uh, the, the first drop, it's over. Yeah, that's that's the song. Oh uh, man, and it's incredible. But it is it is it is strikingly not Del Toro. It is. Yeah, yeah. You know? It is a bit of a departure for him yeah. in, in terms of the normal stuff he creates. Um, I think Pacific Rim's a, a good point. There was another one of the. Um, things that uh, film scores are used for is uniting the audience. And so in particular, it's heroic themes oh my God. Um, that, that bring yeah. the audience together. And it, um, it it's a, uh, a moment of swelling pride. And so you have that, you, you see that lots in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, charge of the Rohirrim oh in, in Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh. It like, <laughs> there is some stirring moment that just brings the, the yeah. audience together. The, um, the portals moment in Avengers Endgame um, is again. I actually just goosebumps. <laughs> oh, um, but there's also that moment with the store in in Pacific Rim. There's uh, a bunch of them. Uh, well, so there's one moment I have in mind because I have a, a a funny story. While I worked at the theater, I was used to be able to have access to um, uh, just basically the projectors. And so I could have people sure. in uh, the theater late after the last show and everyone has left the building and we could watch whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we would have cast come in and I had, I brought in friends and family and stuff. And so we watched Pacific Rim at like two in the morning. Um, and, uh, and I remember there's a, there's a scene late in the film. Uh, it's like the climax stacker Pentecost played <laughs> by uh, Idris Alba gets up. Yeah. Um, and he delivers a speech. Oh yeah, uh, and it's an incredible. Oh, oh man. <laughs> um, and uh, what? Oh man, no, I'm gonna forget the line. Um, that's the today is not that day speech, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's a line right at the end where he says something about. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, it might even be earlier in the film, but he says something about. Um, you can you can die here on uh, as a man, yeah. Um, or or you can fight in a Jaeger, um, <laughs> and and the, the the theme picks up, and and my dad is sitting right next to me, and again I'm in a theater packed with my coworkers and and various people, and my and again it's three thirty in the morning or whatever, my dad stands up, <laughs> and he screams, Jaeger! <laughs> And it's obviously that's you know very specific to him. It's it's but, not. Uh, it's not. But that's the point. It's supposed to bring the audience together. It's supposed to ignite the fire. Yeah. You know. Like, uh, oh. I'll tell. I'll, 
I, I don't know if I've ever actually told you this. Uh, it's a badge of honor. I don't usually tell everybody, uh, but I'll do it on an internet yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pacific River makes made me cry three times in the theater. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. Uh, and I I kind of have a similar moment. I don't I don't get up and yell, but uh, it's the scene where they're. Uh, Gypsy, uh, so it's it's Riley and and uh, what's her name? Mako. Oh, uh, Mako are together for like really together for the first time. They're fighting on the dock. Yeah, and they get slammed into the dock, and uh, Riley is hurt, and they're all and then he's like, "We can do this," and like a pause, and like, it's like together, and then yeah. the song kicks in, and I'm just like weeping. <laughs> <laughs> just, just I'm like, yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh, yeah, it gets me going. Yeah, so the yeah, that's just a wonderful use of that heroic thing, and uh, I just want to bring back the the your, your Avengers thing. Uh, I have to get props because at the end of the day, the first I would even say the first two phases, I didn't recognize a theme. Like sure. the the music was so generic, uh, it felt like yeah. You know, I know they use the Avengers theme in the Avengers movies, but they don't feel that they don't feel epic unless. It's that the in the first Avengers they do the wide circle shot where they, they assemble for the first time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's the one, right? Uh, but I remember seeing the trailer for uh, Infinity War, and uh, I remember watching that in theaters for the first time, and the, the theme plays. I'm like, oh, they've been setting that theme up for years, yeah. and it's like in my brain, and I don't know it, and uh, watching it, I'm like. That trailer got me really hyped for some reason. I have no idea why. And that's the song. And the song, but they've been building that song for, for years and years and years and years. And I just I just didn't pay attention. And maybe I, I did, maybe it was purposeful. Maybe I was out to lunch on that. But man, that got me going. And I, I have to give them credit for that for that theme, which is now like pretty prolific prolific yeah i think that uh, i think you're totally right i don't know if they actually really intended it in the same way yeah. um and and they did switch um composers quite a bit yeah there, yeah, there was yeah. a number of people involved i remember the end credits of avengers featured uh the song live to rise by i think it was soundgarden um i know it was chris cornell was, i think it was just chris cornell um really yeah i don't uh, know for sure though. anyway yeah um but uh and so I thought that was interesting that they they set that as the is the opening of the end credits was that not a uh, any theme yeah um uh and, but the the Avengers theme is used yeah. in that movie so it I remember it striking me as kind of odd and they clearly weren't trying to define those movies by a particular theme by that point yeah. um so I don't know if it was intentional but they definitely used it to incredible effect yeah um so i i find in infinity war like you said in that trailer it really stands out yeah um and then again in in endgame and during the portal scene yeah um and there is uh there there's lots of videos you can find on the internet of people losing their minds (laughs) in the the theater when that portal scene happens um there's also the um uh when cap picks up thor the hammer the, who, uh, the, the the Yahoo guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> is what I like to call him. Oh man, um, but there's it, it's actually a shift in the uh, in the um, store too. There's a there's a little fanfare that plays. Yeah. Um, that it didn't like notes to the audience that like you see the hammer flying and it's like this is not going to be what you expect. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. it's not going to go to Thor and there's a moment where <laughs> you can just feel the anticipation and the whole audience or most of the audience knows it's going to happen. Yeah. But they're like, "Can I bear to hope?" <laughs> you know, and then you, he catches it and everyone loses their minds. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm I'm gonna have like a literal medical condition with all these goosebumps I'm getting in this episode. Yeah, I mean that's the whole point of it, right? Uh, and again, like especially for me, for a, uh, a guy who is not as big a fan of fancy movies as you, sure. to to pick out those moments where they use that music so well, and I think even throughout the rest of Infinity War and Endgame, it's just like anytime there's more than two of them walking. They have that the little inkling of that theme, yeah, uh, just kind of like pervasively, just yeah, there. So you're like, uh, the Avengers are here, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, oh god, yeah. I could talk about the uh, yeah Avengers all day, all day, and, and then and that's a crazy thing, right? Because again, you're you're talking about maybe 20 movies where the theme didn't matter, 
Yep. And then two movies where it was a huge deal. Where it really <laughs> did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am going to switch gears, though, uh, because I wanted to talk about, and maybe we should have, maybe I should have done this earlier, because now I'm going to bring us down a bit. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk about Up. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Oh, and I want to talk boy. about uh, Married Life, uh, which is the, the, the theme you think of uh, when, like, if you were to think of a theme, it would be that one. It's the do-do-do-do. Do 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 do. Yeah. Um, and that theme is used so well. There's a um, like as far as I'm concerned, the best part of Up is that um monologue with Carl and Ellie and showing their life. Yeah. Uh, and as as they grow up, um, uh, as far as I'm, I adore Up. But as far as I'm concerned, um, it's the first third of Up that is extremely good, and then the last. Maybe the first half of Up is extremely good. Yeah. And then the last half is like, eh, pretty generic. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not a lot, not a lot to write home about. But it's when the house, to me, it's when the house lands um, in the middle of the movie. I think that's when it starts to fall apart for me. Yeah, probably. I would actually even argue that it maybe is a slightly before that. Like, yeah. basically, when the house takes off, yeah. you get, there's a moment of like, good for you, Carl, <laughs> you know, like, screw those yeah. guys. And then there's some hilarity with, um, uh oh my god the kid russell russell thank you there's some hilarity with russell and getting him inside the house yeah that is still fun and unique yeah um but much past that and like i said it's a fairly generic movie in my opinion yeah um but what i find really interesting is is that in that like it is truly a montage there is no dialogue yeah and they show carl and ellie growing up and the trials and tribulations and what they've gone through um but if you were to watch that without the music it does not have anywhere near the same emotional impact. No. Um, and, and not that I've like, sorry, I've done this, but it's hard because I've I I've seen that scene many many times. And so you're playing it in your head regardless. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't remove it anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, because there's no dialogue, the the music, the store does a fair amount of lifting as far as even the, the plot's concerned. Absolutely. Um, there's a the the one shot you get that shows that Ellie's miscarried um, is her crying in a doctor's office, and frankly, it's not specific enough. Um, yeah. Like it's if the music's not there, and I understand the context is important to this, um, but there is a few different ways you could interpret that. Um, and again, you know, context on either side. They talk about having a baby, then suddenly they're not having a baby. Yeah, yeah, you can probably piece it together. Um, but you know with like immediately when that theme drops down, yeah, um, and slows, and and you're like, oh god, yeah, the worst has happened. To me, you know? it's the uh, the ultimate heartbreak is when she can't get up the hill. Oh, the amount the the minute the song slows to an absolute crawl, yeah, and she uh, she takes a knee on the hill, and I'm done. Yeah, uh, and oh, and the thing is, it, it doesn't matter how many times you watch it too, right? It, it'll that'll get me every single time. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and so basically, I'm sobbing through the last half of that every single time. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and it's gotten to the point now where I am like pre-sobbing <laughs> when it starts because yeah. I, I know what's coming. Yeah. Um, there's that the shot of uh, Carl at her at her funeral just oh, sitting God. there. And I just <laughs> break. Or like when he sits in the chair. Oh. And there's no other. And the, 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 the her chair, chair is like, empty. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> And and the baffling thing to me is they to take a piece of, a brilliant piece of music like that and be like, yeah, we're just gonna put this in Main Street USA. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. in Disneyland. This is gonna be the first thing you listen to when you get into the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, enjoy it, sucker. <laughs> yeah, how are you like the rest of your day? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's a brilliant piece of music. Yeah, um, I I would say, I, honestly, I'd be um, I'd be hard. It would be hard for me to say that it's not one of the most impactful pieces of music, even though of, of all the stuff we've talked about. Yeah. Um, for me personally, and, uh, uh, and Up is a big deal to my wife and I, but um, uh, but that that store is so gutting um, yeah. and does such a good job hitting those emotional points that, again, I can basically relive it just hearing the music again. Like you said, you're walking down Main Street USA in Disneyland, <laughs> theoretically the happiest place on earth. <laughs> Um, about to have the time of your life, and then you hear it, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> well." And the thing it's is, all like, over. you hear it, and you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna be good for the first 
two minutes of this. Yeah. And by yeah. the time I get to the end of Main Street, do I have to take a knee? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think it's uh, it's also quite amazing to to see the rise of uh, the composer there, Michael uh, Giacchino, because uh, he just feels like he's do he does like it's it feels like him and Alexander Desplat are just taking turns on movies. That's a great point. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, uh, the two of them have been quite prolific. Yeah. Um, now I have to say though, I don't know if like. It, Absolutely, props for their success, but I don't know if they have the same talent in terms of John Williams. Like, I, I, I don't know if I can really look at it and go, "Oh yeah, this is a, this is a, the Splat score." Yeah, you that's know what fair. I mean? That's fair. And and to, to Splat's credit, he he works. It feels like he works on smaller movies. He's the Wes Anderson guy now. Yeah. It feels like, the, but Giacchino feels like he's on every major thing now. Mm. You know, like he he did the Batman score, and that feels like there's, wait, what? Yeah. Right? No, I, I thought that was Nirvana. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, but you could have fooled me. Like, it, it's very Zimmer-like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know he did, uh, he's taken over most of the Star Wars stuff. Because uh, I think he did Rogue One. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and Him and, um, oh God, now I'm not going to remember it. No, the guy that did the store on um, Mando is pretty prolific in the Star Wars. Uh, Ludwig Gorman. Gorman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Gor- Gorenson. Gorenson. Is it Gorenson? Gor- yeah, 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 yeah. Gorenson. Yeah. It's definitely sorry. It's not Gorman yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Ludwig is is now quite prolific as well. But I think it was basically just Mando, and then he suddenly blew up. Yeah, he kind of t- stole. Not that stole. Like I feel like with uh, with TV, it's like Gorenson and uh, uh, Raman uh, Jawadi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Game t- of Thrones. Guy. Game of Thrones. Pacific Rim. Yeah, uh, that guy. He seems to be also everywhere. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, personally, I am out of like that. Those were the the main touch points I wanted to I wanted to hit. You want to maybe give a, a couple of shout outs to some favorite scores? I mean, I know you have been the whole like, time. That's but like that's kind of been the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, but like even like some low key ones that people you don't you think people should uh, appreciate more. We've talked about some big ones, so you got you got some small ones in there. Man, you're really throwing me under the bus here. Uh, re- I guess I do it. It's to a receipt. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. If I say Silver Linings Playbook, is it weird because it's right behind you? <laughs> it's. I mean, you did Inception, so you might as well. <laughs> I don't see Inception though when I'm talking. You know, I just well, know. You never it's there. see the Inception. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's not lower key, but I do want to uh, uh, mention Fight Club. Um, I think the Chemical Brothers do a great yeah. job um, throughout that store, and it's it's unique. Um, it feels like it's a uh, it's very specific to them. And actually, you know what? Most David Fincher stuff, most of his. I'm surprised work, he didn't go with uh, Reznor and Atticus Ross stuff. You yeah. don't talk about that at all. Yeah, Social Network is incredible. Yeah, uh, they did a really, really, really good job. Um, yeah, in, in, I think most of his stuff is pretty iconic. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to really quickly talk about Cliff Martinez, the guy oh, who did Drive. Drive, yeah. And he's done a whole bunch of other stuff. But like when we talk about, especially, I should have brought that up earlier. This is my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about uh, a score moving a narrative forward. Sure. If you go through Cliff Martinez's uh, library of, of soundtracks and scores, uh, he literally just names the song what's happening in the movie. Oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. so in, in, in Drive, it's just like the song's called Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> or like I'm on or you're like I'm on my way. Like that's the name of the song. Yeah. And he did like the he did like the, the score for the Nick, uh, the uh, Clive Owen uh, TV show. Sure, yeah. Uh, and all of the all of the songs are just what's happening in that exact moment. And I think that's kind of brilliant. And I don't know. I was like, at first, I'm like, well, that's lazy. I'm like, nah, is it though? <laughs> it's it's strange if you're a big film store guy because uh, before the movie comes out, yeah, uh, you can look at the track list and go, <laughs> oh wait, Vader's in this because <laughs> that happens that's in the, Rogue One. <laughs> that's the Phantom Menace thing, though, right? Where the the soundtrack gets released and it's like the death of Qui Gon is on the listing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's uh, brutal. So I wanted to mention Cliff Martinez, and I also wanted to mention really, really quickly uh, one of my favorite scores of all time is The Last of Mohicans. Oh, okay. By Trevor Jones. Uh, I think that was... If there was a song I could pinpoint that made me fall in love with movie scores, oddly enough, it's that one. Mm. And it's it's the main theme, which is incredible. It makes me want to run, but I'm a light, lazy sack of shit, so I'm not actually going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets the heart going, yeah. and they're like, yeah, maybe you should uh, go for a run. I'm like, no. <laughs> it really shows how good the story is, though, that because you're not interested in doing that, and then your body's like, well, but maybe. Yeah, is know? there a sandwich at the end of that run? Because <laughs> it's not happening otherwise. <laughs> Um, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout out to some favorites. I mean, I could go on all day. I don't have anywhere to be. Be my guest. <laughs> uh, Brick by Nathan Johnson. Oh. Uh, is incredible. We talked about using that high-pitched frequency for unsettling and unnerving earlier. Uh, Sorry, but that is for the, the film Brick? For the film Brick. By, by Ryan Johnson. By Ryan Johnson. They are not related. They are not related. They are not. As far okay. as I know, as far okay. as I could find, they are not related. But Nathan Jones and he, uh, Nathan Johnson, sorry, he uses a lot of those high pitched violin and and stuff like that to kind of give you just a sense of foreboding misery throughout that whole film. And it's sure. one of my favorite scores ever is Brick, which is one of my favorite movies ever. But uh, it's a really good movie. Big Ryan Johnson guy, big come JTL at me, guy. nerds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big Ruin Johnson. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sweet, dude. Yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments if we have like we've definitely missed stories. There's yeah, lots. I mean, we didn't even talk about Ennio Morricone. Yeah, you know, like we just uh, no didn't. nothing. We just nothing. Didn't. <laughs> no, there was a whole bunch of things we skipped. But let us know if we missed your favorite uh, store uh, or there's something yeah we should talk about again in the future because that's the thing. I think this topic is pretty big. Um, we can definitely come back to this. I didn't even like. I did like six of my eighteen functions of film music thing so like i've got yeah. a whole list here yeah i didn't get to talk about vangelis i think it's a whole thing it's, it's a, a whole yeah. thing yeah 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 but let us know if we're like i said we missed your favorites 